My sister got a tattoo of Alan's signature today. And it was, I haven't been doing a lot of processing. I mean, I've been processing, but I haven't been sitting down and really reflecting lately. Life has been busy and crazy and seeing his signature on her back like he just wrote it himself is enough to make you sort of stop and think about things. She wanted to get it on her arm, but was starting to realize that maybe that wasn't the place because this was her first tattoo that was drenched in meaning and nostalgia and sadness. Not that there, she has other tattoos that mean a lot to her, but this one is sad. This is a reminder of a person who's no longer here and a person that meant a lot to her. And so to look down and see his name, the way he wrote it every single day is a lot. So we were brainstorming different places for her to get it. And we were talking about her shoulder and on her back, but she was struggling with the fact that she wouldn't see it every day, even though that's, she didn't want to see it every day, but she also was like, oh, well, I always have to turn around and like look at it funky or look with a mirror. Like you look at the back of your head after a haircut. I asked her if she wanted me to spin it, put a little grief spin on it, because I think of myself as the dad from Big Fat Greek Wedding, when he's like, give me a word, any word, and I will show you why, how it's Greek word. And he's like, kimono, and he's like, himono, himono, himono. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's how I feel I am about, like, reflecting and grief specifically. I can, like, make anything I feel like have meaning in a way. I'll show you my, what I mean. So she's like, I want to do this tattoo on my back of Alan, but I'll never be able to see it the way it was, it's meant to be seen. Which is already right there, right? That's it. Like, she'll never be able to look at it the way she wants to. And she'll never be able to see Alan the way she wants to again. It's a part of her, literally. But she doesn't need to see it to be reminded that it's a part of her. Hello? It just made me, like, start thinking about this kind of permanence and absence that coexist. This idea that this person is gone but his name is on her back forever, beautifully. Like this tattoo artist, she freehanded it, first of all, like this sketch, like when they just do like a stencil in the beginning, she freehanded it, which means she looked at Alan's signature and then just did it. His signature also looks so cool. He never would like lift the pen from the paper because he could just do it in all one, in one fell swoop, which is pretty awesome. And I just had to stop and think about it because for me, when I'm grieving, when I'm grieving, on the days that I'm grieving, it's become so much a part of my daily routine in life to just be processing everything through this new lens. And that's not to say that I can't enjoy things. In fact, I make it a point to do that. I try and it's just a new way of looking at life um, with the glaring reasoning that it's all over in the blink of an eye so you know you just see that differently you see the world differently when you go through something such such a huge traumatic thing but to see his name on her back first of all to have her have a tattoo at all of him when he was my boyfriend <laughs> like they had a relationship outside of me and so many people had a relationship to Alan outside of me and that's what I'm starting to like really think about lately is everyone else's relationship with him that wasn't mine, you know, 
me, 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 thinking about my relationship with him, a nine-year romantic partnership, that's obviously how I'm always going to see him. Even though that's not how it started. I mean, I saw him as a friend, a doofus, before everything else. Uh, but to have my sister, she lost a brother. And she lost a guy that would take shots of absinthe with her and just doof around. She lost a person that I didn't, I didn't have access to. Like, that, the guy that Alan was for Sedona is not the guy that he was with me. And my mom mentioned this because she thinks that, like, now that we're in year three, she's starting to really mourn the loss of this person that she lost, not through me. She's like, I'm, I'm so sad for my daughter. I'm so sad for who my daughter lost. But now I'm going to start to take some time and think about who I lost, which is a son slash buddy. Like, he was, he's, he just, he was a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. And I'm able to zoom out a little bit now and think about that as opposed to just be so self-absorbed in the in my specific loss because I also miss those things like I don't always miss Alan my partner I miss Alan the person and all that he was to me and to other people I miss how doofy he was I miss the friend that he was I miss the explorer that he was the mind sometimes I feel like I'm repeating myself but I think being able to zoom out this way especially when like Things are going okay, as I've said before, you know, my life is on some sort of track. I don't know how slow it is, I don't know how fast it is, I don't know if it's just looping around the fucking world, but I'm I'm not floundering. I'm content and I have an amazing group of friends and I'm like dating and I'm just like out there doing the damn thing. And so Alan exists to me more and more as a person that I've lost just as much as it's like my partnership which is a weird thing to do and uh, to conceptualize there's so many things that I'm realizing in grief that exist parallel and that are not direct opposites you know like I said the, the other day that I feel like I try and manage my sad by being busy and by being constant and that is not Sad and busy are not opposites. <laughs> People are sad and busy all the time. But I, for some reason, I start to think that I, if I move and do things and meet people and hang out and I'm up all, at, all hours and have plans, then I don't have time to be sad. But then the sad just seeps in anyway and catches you off guard and I'm making a smoothie and all of a sudden, you know, collapse on the ground because I can't breathe. You know, it's just, it'll hit no matter when it hits. And I should know this by now. I've had fucking over 600 days. How many days are you in here? 365. Okay, so yeah, like 700 plus days of understanding how this will get you. But to feel the parallel in everything that I do, and especially as I'm sort of moving through life and every day, every second that I live it, it's more time that he's not on the planet and more time that I'm, that I'm on the planet without him. And it's confusing. And it's moments like today when my sister gets a tattoo of his fucking name on her back that cause you to just sort of like screech to a halt and take a second and take stock of what that, that means. That he'll never see that, that he isn't here, and that he didn't write it 
on her back because he's not here anymore. And I think that every day. Like, I want to be clear about that. Like, it's not like I forget that. But I, I've come up with some sort of routine. I've come up with a way of organizing those thoughts that doesn't just render me completely paralyzed, right? I have to. So the way that I get through it is my way, but every now and then something like this happens that makes me just sort of freeze and remember that this is really true <laughs> in a way that it's always really true, but like it's really true. And I think and I stop and I, and those moments are coming, those moments where I'm kind of flabbergasted by how real it is aren't happening as often anymore, which is in itself frustrating and sad, but also great for my mental health because I can't always be sad, even though I am, right? So see, here's what I'm talking about. This is, this is the conundrum. I'm always sad and I can't always be sad. <laughs> what is it like all men are, cre all men from Crete are liars? What is it? <laughs> this thing my stepdad talked to me about that was like a sentence that couldn't be true but had to be true I don't am I correct okay but that's what it is it's a mystery of life it's the little it's the moments of grace and it's also the moments of sadness and it's the things that are crazy there are so many things that have happened since he died that I am so grateful for like I'm grateful for this tattoo like, I love it. It looks dope on my sister. She loves it. It's beautiful. It's a special thing for her. It would never have happened if he was alive. Like, even that small little thing. Oh, my gosh. And as I start thinking about this cabaret, she says, two weeks before it's supposed to happen, I'm thinking about the things that I'm going to say. And it can't be, I lost my partner, I miss him, because we know. And I'm trying to think of what I have to say that's new, and what I have to say that's evolved, even from last year. And I haven't put it into words as much lately. I've just sort of been doing the work on my own, that it's a little rusty. My storytelling grief game is a little rusty, I think. So I'm making this tiny mini thing here to sort of start that train back up again of putting my thoughts and feelings into words in a way that I hope is relatable. Obviously I'll have something to say in 50 years about this process and it's only been two but even year two is so different from year one in these little mini moments. These moments where I zoom out and really see like try and think back to the person that was a week out been six months, now two years. And who that makes me? Janine, the living, the girl who lived. Would she, who is she now? Has she always been this way? It's hard to gauge too, because you're so deep in it. It's hard to see the differences, except for the fact that I like to eat a lot and so I've gained some weight. That's easy to see, but like, can you tell if my mind has shifted? Do you like my song? You're gonna hear it in the cabaret. <laughs> Come see it. <laughs> it's gonna be good. <laughs>
What a pitch.